here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome, friends, to Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. I am one of your hosts. I am Aaron Bentley. And along with me, as always, is my good friend, Aaron Taub. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm great, man. These these shows we saw this weekend were just fantastic. And I had a chance to go to the one Sunday night at Laboom, and it was easily the best Evolve show of the year. So we have so much to talk about. That is for sure, so we'll get into it. But first, uh, I just want to remind everyone that we are a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can check out all the great VOW podcasts at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app of choice. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at EvolvePod. And I personally am at Aaron Like the Car, and Aaron Taub is at AP Taub, T-A-U-B-E. So make sure to follow us both and keep up with our uh, hot Evolve takes. Uh, first of all, you gave us a little preview, Aaron, but other than just these were great shows, what were your overall thoughts on the weekend with Evolve 86 and Evolve 87? Well, I think the number one thing is that we got what we wanted. Last week, we came on this podcast and we whined and we moaned about how many guys on this roster seemed like they didn't really have uh, a clear sense of direction, right? There were a lot of characters in Evolve that weren't re- it wasn't really clear what their motivations were or what they were trying to accomplish. And this weekend we saw we got some clarity. A lot of the sort of big name indie stars who came in over WrestleMania weekend and then in April, guys like Ricochet, Kyle O'Reilly, Donovan Dijak, Leo Rush, those guys weren't on these shows. And everyone who was on these shows had storyline development whether it was Keith Lee sort of showing that maybe he might be a little reluctant to be that friendly fellow kind of guy that we've seen in the past, or it was Timothy Thatcher becoming this huge bully or Jocka with a show stealing performance at Evolve 87. Everyone's kind of doing something. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm really passionate about. I'm really excited about. And so I, I just, we got everything we wanted. And, and one thing quickly, I wanted to make a note, that last time we said we would try to find out why Donovan Dijak wasn't on these shows on Twitter. We wound up talking to the man himself, Donovan Dijak. He said the reason he wasn't on the shows was because he was not booked. Uh, we confirmed that with uh, Evolve Booker and promoter Gabe Sapolsky, who confirmed that Dijak was not booked and said that he had nothing but nice things about to say about Donovan Dijak as both a performer and a person. 
So uh, we got a little bit of, uh, we got our reporting shoes on a little bit. But really, the main story is a really interesting, cohesive promotion with a ton of different characters doing different things. And I couldn't be more excited about it. I couldn't agree more. Just like you said, we, we wanted more for everybody to do, and we got it. We wanted real direction, and we got that. So let's get into the shows and talk about them individually. Let's start with, of course, Evolve 86. Uh, it happened on Saturday night in Melrose, Massachusetts. Overall, just on this particular show, okay, every Evolve show is about two and a half hours long. That's a, a good barometer of what you're getting from your normal Evolve show. That's how much time you're going to have to devote when you sit down to watch Evolve. This show was about two hours long. Uh, it was hardly over two hours. And I'm not saying that in any way as a bad thing. It was a great thing. It was compact, easy to watch. Uh, I didn't, one thing I really like about Evolve is I don't feel like I'm ever wasting time watching the promotion. And I never feel like you discussed last week, Aaron, about how time is the most precious resource when it comes to all of the wrestling that there is out there for all of us to watch. And I never feel like Evolve abuses my time. In fact, I feel like Evolve respects my time. Evolve understands that I have this limited amount of time to spend on wrestling and that they can make it easy for me to say, look, I've only got a little bit of time. I can easily devote two and a half hours to watch an Evolve show. That's what I got here. A little over two hours. Uh, In-ring wasn't didn't come anywhere near what Evolve 87 would bring the next night, but it was a, a good show that was easy to watch. Uh, did you have the same feelings about Evolve 86? Absolutely. I really, I think, I think because they had run that up, there was a Beyond show at the same venue earlier in the day, so I think that they made a conscious effort to give the fans in the building and fans watching at home on Flow Slam a little bit of a break. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a strong, concise show. I thought Austin Theory versus Timothy Thatcher was very good. I thought ACH versus Chris Dickinson was great. But at the end of the day, of all of 86, belongs to our sweet, woke boy, the king of Bernie Bros, the ultimate class warrior, the anti-fascist armbar assassin, and now (laughs) the one true champion of Evolve Wrestling, Zack Sabre Jr. Hallelujah. Our boy got it done. He did. Uh, I am not ashamed to say that I literally jumped off the couch and threw my arms into the air when I saw Matt Riddle tap. My wife was scared. She thought something bad had happened. No. In fact, the best possible thing has happened, young lady. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., (laughs) won the battle that was built as big as it gets. Zack Sabre Jr. is as big as it gets. So let's talk about that match specifically. We're going to start there, and then we'll go through the rest of the card from Evolve 86. Uh, As we've already spoiled, of course you've watched if you're listening to this, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Matt Riddle uh, with a new uh, submission finish. What is the brilliant name that Zack has has applied to this finish, Aaron? On, on Twitter, I saw him call it the triple lock pension, which uh, if you're not following uh, British politics, very like, why, closely. And you are, why are you? Yeah, Avi. Um, it refers to the pension plans that are given out to uh, British, you know, UK government employees. And the triple lock refers to that the pension, the amount of money that the retired workers get paid increases every year 
in the in the amount of the increase. Hold on, I'm getting there. This is probably really boring. The amount of the increase is the biggest of three factors. And it's like one is like a 2.5% threshold. And then there's a cost of living increase or the um, average wage growth that year. And uh, Theresa May, the current prime minister, uh, wanted to decrease uh, the generosity of these pensions and make it like a double lock pension. So uh, Zach Sabre Jr.'s favorite candidate, Jeremy Corbyn of the Labor Party, campaigned on preserving the triple lock pension. And uh, that's how he got his, the name of his submission move. Now, as, as difficult as it was to describe the origin of this name, I think it would be even harder for me to describe like what he was actually doing with his body. If, uh, you can give it a hack if, if, you, if you want. I will not do that. Um, <laughs> just just any, go. You got to watch it on Flow Slam, guys. Just, yes, uh, watch it. Yeah. Aaron and I do not pretend yourself. to be either wrestlers or any sort of uh, submission experts or martial arts experts, not our forte. So, yeah. you know, he did something that looked like it hurt. Matt Riddle tapped out. Yeah. Um, overall, I thought this was a really good match. It seemed like we were very critical of the fact that this was coming so quickly that we felt like it could have been built up much longer. I think if you have to have the match now, this was the best way to do it. They gave us a finish in a match that easily opened itself up to a third match. Of course, if you don't know, Zach and Matt Riddle met up uh, many evolves ago where Matt Riddle was the victor in that match. So now we've evened up and we can have a third match down the road. We can build it up for a long way before we get back to it. Did you get the sense that this uh, established that the evolved champion is higher than the WWN champion, or did you take anything else like that away from this match? I mean, we're saying obviously as Zack Sabre Jr. fans, yeah, he's the number one champion, but, but no, the way that the finish was done was I thought was very clever where Matt Riddle had him in the bro mission and Zack Sabre Jr. Counted it or countered it rather and got that flash submission of his own. And I also thought it was fascinating that they gave Matt Riddle an out too leading up to it. We didn't catch on to it. But, uh, and, and that's one another theme of this show is that we were just wrong about everything. Obviously, we predicted Matt Riddle to win this match. We didn't think twice about it. Um, we were wrong a lot. And we're going to apologize to a lot of people throughout the show for our wrongness. But one thing we missed was that throughout the week, if you read the WWN alerts, Evolve uh, was telling you they were writing headlines like, is Matt Riddle taking on too much? And they talked about his defenses in FIP and style battle. And it was also, I think, perhaps sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge towards the sort of behind the scenes storyline of Matt Riddle being off the next month of shows because he had double booked himself in another promotion. And so Matt Riddle hit his jumping tombstone pile driver. And it was like he was going for the bro mission, but it took him a moment to lock it in. And then when he started putting it on, he didn't quite have it as strong as he would like. And that's how Matt, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. was able to get out and get the win. So I thought that that was like a nice bit of uh, sort of subtle storytelling, or at least that maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's how I perceived it. And uh, it also sort of gives Matt Riddle, you know, he wrestled earlier in the day against Keith Lee at Beyond. So it gives him sort of, you know, an excuse should he want to make one uh, for, for another match down the road. Yeah, that's something that we probably could have and should have uh, picked up on the the way that they were billing that. And I mean, we did talk about the fact that he had those two 
defenses, but I didn't expect them to play in here. Uh, I think our problem, Aaron, is we've gotten really hung up on this idea of which title is going to be presented as the bigger deal. And I think Evolve told us this weekend, and they've been telling us the whole time, and, and you and I haven't picked up on it, is that they're not going to make a differentiation between these two titles. These two guys are the guys, and especially now that we know nobody is going to be uh, – or they're not going to be defending the same titles on weekends any longer. They're going to be doing one title per weekend. So I, I think it's just going to be these are the top two titles. They're pretty equal in stature. That's the way they're going to be presented. And we just have to stop looking for some sort of delineation, some sort of time where uh, the evolved title is going to be treated as a 1B title. I don't think it's going to be that way going forward. Did you get that sense? No, I think you're right. I think that we wanted that kind of closure, but we need to reach a Zen place of just understanding that there are these two champions and we just need to appreciate them for what they are. I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm just, I'm giving in. I'm going to go real uh, Jason Kincaid and uh, I'm just going to be okay with how these titles are presented. All right. So after the main event, we got some action. Uh, Stokely comes out. He wants to make the point that either Jocka or uh, Timothy Thatcher are going to take Zack Sabre Jr.'s title. Now this, we're going to have to circle back around to that we learned on this show that Timothy Thatcher is aligned, still aligned with Stokely, and therefore aligned with Catchpoint, which we talked about on the previous episode about whether how that was going to play out, whether Timothy Thatcher was still going to be aligned with them, especially con- or aligned with Stokely, especially considering his previous antipathy, uh, more than antipathy, toward Catchpoint. So the answer for now, it appears, is yes. It's the Dream Team and Catchpoint. He's not part of Catchpoint, uh, but he is still aligned with Stokely. So that's why Stokely says that to uh, Zach about Jocka or Thatcher. And before Stokely can finish up what he's talking about, we get Darby Allen out. And Darby wants, you know, he's been having these moments where he comes out and challenges Zach for some time now. He wants to present himself as the next challenger. And Zach, it's really funny. I feel like every time somebody challenges Zach, he's like, eh, okay. Like he doesn't really seem to care about who wants to challenge him or he's like, yeah, I'm going to show up at the next show and whoever shows up to challenge me, uh, that's who I'm going to wrestle. I'm not sure. Is that a charming thing about Zach or is it like a little too aloof for a champion? I love it. And, and I think that, you know, certainly people were booing when Zack Sabre Jr. won this match uh, in the crowd in Melrose, Massachusetts. But for me, I think it's great because I think that you, there are a ton of other people in wrestling who sort of, I mean, it's just like wrestling writ large has kind of this hyper-masculinity complex where anytime you insinuate that someone isn't ready to fight at any moment's notice for any reason, you know, they're a coward. You know, I was watching NXT last week and it was so funny because... Uh, Roderick Strong was bickering with Bobby Roode and Bobby Roode said some stuff. And then the thing that really made Roderick Strong really, like really, you know, pissed him off was he, he spoke to Roderick Strong's wife and he said, if you ever want to be with a real man, you give me a call. And Roderick (laughs) Strong was like, 
oh no, I'm not a real man. And then he like started away, he went after her. He started trying, you know, punching him. They had to break him up. You know, and I, I just love that Zack Sabre Jr. is the kind of guy. So, like, it's a different way of sort of constructing your masculinity where Zack is just kind of like, no, like, I'm an adult. Like, that's fine. I'm still a champion. Like, I'll defend this against you. I'm not afraid of you. But, like, we don't need to fight right now. I think the, what literally what he said was, my job is done. I'm going to go have a kombucha and I'll see you later. And I just, I don't know. I, I love that. That was just kind of, I love his approach. I wish he would have said, I'm going to have a Corona because... When I saw him at AAW, I guess whenever that was, recently, after his match, he stood at his merch table, shirtless, drinking a Corona. And Maybe that's what he said. I thought he said kombucha. Did he say Corona? I might, I, I might be wrong. If I got that wrong, that's, a mea call. that's another thing we're wrong about. <laughs> the wrong way to do it again. But, uh, but either way, I, I love his approach, uh, whether... He was drinking kombucha or Corona. It's it's all good to me. Yeah, that did lead to uh, Rich Creation and I quickly Googling to find out whether Corona was vegan because I suggested <laughs> to Rich that there are some beers that are not vegan. Rich was going to, I mean, I don't think he was really going to, but Rich threatened that he was going to confront Zach if Zach was drinking a non-vegan beer. So it could have provided some fireworks. Speaking of fireworks, Tracy Williams comes out of course matt riddle still hanging around after this match that's right yes that you know it's a pretty classic evolved thing it's like these post-match angles especially after the main event there's a lot of things going on i think you referred to it on one of our shows as kind of similar to the attitude era and i think that is a great descriptor not and that's not a criticism Uh, it's just it's a fact it's just how these kind of come off so tracy williams comes out and attacks matt riddle from behind and uh, while this is going on, uh, Darby Allen, of course, is still out there because we have to have all this chaos happening at one time. Hits the coffin drop onto Williams and Stokely. And there's that great gif that's floating around of uh, Tracy dragging Stokely back because Stokely uh, has been killed by the coffin drop. Okay, so a lot of things in this segment. What was your big takeaway or what were your big takeaways from this post-match angle? I liked it. I liked that they were continuing sort of this like Tracy Williams trying to get one up on on Matt Riddle. I like they they sort of teased it at the most recent show uh, last month in Michigan, and then they teased it again tonight. And then finally, you know, at Evolve eighty seven the next night, finally Tracy Williams like you know one up on Matt Riddle. So yeah, I, I like that. I like Darby Allen coming out and doing his big coffin drop and getting everybody fired up. And they're really developing all of these characters and we're learning more and more about them and and who they are. All right. So let's go, we're going to go through the rest of the card. Uh, I want to start from the beginning and go through the rest of uh, Evolve 86. The first match on the card was the returning Timothy Thatcher against Austin Theory. And Timothy Thatcher defeated Austin Theory with a rear naked choke. Uh, Famously, perhaps infamously, I said on this very show on the last episode that there was not a 1% chance this match would be good. Listeners, friends, colleagues, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. This was very good. Uh, I just did not see... From what I know about Thatcher, what I know about Austin Theory, I could not envision a realistic 
layout of a match that was going to be pleasing to me. Uh, but they delivered it. Here it was. We got another great babyface performance from Austin Theory, just like he gave the last uh, week, last Evolve weekend. I'm going to eat more crow on Tim Thatcher when we get to Evolve 87. I want to hold off on that for a little bit. After you got done watching this, were you just giddy with your anticipation of being able to tell me how wrong I was about this match? Yeah, because while you couldn't conceive of a structure uh, for a match that this would be good, um, I suggested the exact way that this match would be good. If you want, if you, listeners, if you want to go back on uh, last week's episode of uh, Everything Evolves, number three, Continue. You just kind of skip ahead to the 39 minute and 25 second mark where Aaron mentioned that I had said in our pre-show call that could be a good match with uh, Timothy Thatcher beating down an Austin Theory and Austin Theory getting his little comebacks, Thatcher cutting him off again. And uh, it was great. And just that way, I love that Thatcher was using um, those those knees to the gut and those strikes and, and just really showing off his strength and size advantage and just really being nasty. And, and for me, just, this is just like a stylistic preference, but I like when people uh, sort of control the match with, with strikes and stomps and stuff, as opposed to just sort of the stretches that Thatcher had used in the past. And uh, I think in some sense, it's, it's almost as if like with Chris Hero gone from this company, other people can build their matches in a, in a similar way with those, that sort of strike-based dominance, I guess. And, and I thought, yeah, and I thought all of Theory's comebacks were were well-timed and I enjoyed it. It wasn't like a match of the year or anything, but I, I was like, Oh yeah, I get these guys and this is good. After the match, uh, we talked a little bit about already about the Stokely and uh, Timothy Thatcher and catch point unholy Alliance. Uh, But after the match, this was the first time Stokely talked about the fact that either the dream team or catch point was going to capture the evolved championship. Thatcher left at that point after Stokely made that point. Not sure if there was some dissension that was teased there, but we didn't get any of that in Evolve 87. I think the important part of of the post-match here was that Priscilla Kelly came out. uh, She grabbed Austin Theory by the hand, and he walked out with her. Now, on Evolve 87, Lenny Leonard suggested that maybe Austin didn't know that it was Priscilla Kelly, that he had been in such a hard match, that maybe he wasn't fully in control of his faculties as she let him out. So we were left to ponder that uh, during Evolve 87. Perhaps the best part of the post-match was Stokely suggesting that Sean Combs was the greatest rapper of all time, which was not well-received by the Melrose, Massachusetts crowd. I'm not sure who Melrose, Massachusetts thinks is the best rapper of all time, but uh, apparently it's not Sean Combs. The next match, ACH defeated Chris Dickinson with a 450 splash. To me, this was probably the best match of the night. Were you a big fan of this match? I know you're a Dirty Daddy guy, so I'm mean, yeah. have to be. Sons of Dirty Daddy were riding hard uh, at Evolve 86. Yeah, I thought this was really, really good. I thought, And I think it, I agree that it was the match of the night. As much as we loved the finish of, of, of Zack Sabre Jr. and Matt Riddle, that match, like, it wasn't an epic. Like, it was a good, strong match, but it was kind of short. I think that if you were looking for the Riddle-Zack Sabre Jr. match to be, like, the match of the century... It wasn't that, but it was satisfying. But getting back to my, the main point, I think, sorry to be a, a little circular there. Yeah, ACH and Chris Dickinson had a really, really good match. AC, ACH did his big dive sequence where he did his two, his topes look great. It's like he's being fired out of a, out of a gun. 
and he, he really uh, he lit the crowd up, and then he hit that down the line kick, and the crowd was really, really behind him as a babyface here, uh, where Chris Dickinson was beating on him with, with, with these heavy forearms and these suplexes, and ACH did, you know, if you're the kind of, if you're the kind of dork who gets really hard about wrestlers selling on offense, uh, ACH had a moment here where he went for a suplex, but he couldn't do it because his back was hurt from earlier in the match. And uh, yeah, and I, I thought it was a really, really great match that, uh, I don't know, I'm a big, I'm a sucker for, you know, a nice baby face heel dynamic and, and the fans getting behind a guy. And uh, yeah, this was great. Uh, I'm th- I think I'm offended right now because I am absolutely the kind of dork who gets off on that kind of selling in a match. In fact, many of my favorite matches basically boil down to there's a spot in the middle where the guy is selling uh, to the extent that he can't hit a move because his limb or his back or whatever has been so damaged. So um, I guess I'll have to own that. And if you watched Best of Super Juniors and saw a lot of ACH's matches, he was doing this triple tope spot in just about every match, but he was refining it. It was getting better. The crowds in Japan loved it. I mean, they ate up all three of the topes and he's brought that to evolve. Not that he wasn't doing it before, but he's, he's brought uh, the improved version to evolve and the crowds are continuing to love it. And another thing that stuck out to me in this match versus what I saw from ACH and best of super juniors was the matches suffered when he didn't sell very well in some of the matches in this match, the selling of his back was excellent. He was wonderful. He got great uh, sympathy from the crowd because the selling was so great. I thought that took this match to another level. It would have been fine anyway, but I thought that really brought this match up. After this match was over, we see Joanna Rose, who tells us that one of the gatekeepers is coming out. And I was immediately interested because I thought, wait, didn't we meet another gatekeeper not that long ago? Uh, So I thought maybe we were just retconning him out of the company, which would have been fine by me, to be honest. But we get uh, Blaster McMassive out in his gorgeous maroon slacks, and he cuts uh, a nice little promo about how he's nobody's lackey. He's not a gatekeeper. Uh, He's Thomas Sharp. Not sure how I feel about the name. He later told us on Twitter that it's really just an easier way to vanity search, which clearly he learned from Ethan Page during their alliance, he uh, calls out Ethan Page. It was at this moment that I realized, because I I thought, wait, why didn't Aaron and I talk about, why didn't we speculate on who Ethan's uh, opponent was going to be on night two? And really, we I don't think we could have foreseen this. This was pretty, not out of nowhere, but once he started talking, I was like, oh, now I get it. We're getting uh, this guy versus Ethan Page on night two. Ethan Page comes out and he talks about how he hates Keith Lee, who he calls the golden goose of Evolve. Talks about how he's going to destroy everything people love about Evolve. It kind of repeated what he talked about in his the promo video that he that was released through the week. And then he brings out uh, the forgotten gatekeeper, who Lenny Leonard, without any hint of comedy, just called the dirty gatekeeper. That's <laughs> how he was referred to. He's then, great. Big Lenny Leonard fan. I think oh, just, yeah. you know, just to throw it out, I think he does a great job of that. Uh, that also cracked me up. I think he's the best commentator in the business. Uh, I'm not sure anyone is particularly close to him. I think he's great. He is the Vin Scully 
of professional wrestling. He needs no partner. He needs no color man. He handles it all by himself. Then we get a little match between the new Thomas Sharp and the Dirty Gatekeeper. Not much to it. The Dirty Gatekeeper was super sloppy. And I thought, I hope I never have to see this guy again. And I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Did you have any strong thoughts about Thomas Sharp versus the Dirty Gatekeeper? The match was what it was. It was, it was pretty quick. But if there's one thing on this weekend that I'm critical of, I think that it's the idea that Ethan Page is kind of right back where we started, where he's he's kind of back to being this guy who, you know, he came out and, you know, said he hates everyone and he didn't get what he wants and he's going to destroy everything that everybody loves. And I, and I just feel like we're right back where he was in October of 2016, you know, like nine months ago when he lost his title match to Mick Thatcher. And then he came out the next night and attacked Zack Sabre Jr. and talked about how he wanted to cause chaos. And I just feel like with that storyline, either he needed to change his character after this loss or, or he needed to win that match against Zack Sabre Jr., because otherwise I feel like we're not progressing with him and, and it's almost sort of a reset. And I don't know, we just saw this and now you're asking us to buy into him doing the same thing he did that ended with like an embarrassing loss. Okay, the next match was Fred Yehi against Jaka. Fred Yehi comes out with the win uh, with his Koji clutch. What were your thoughts on Yehi versus Jaka? This didn't click for me. Uh, I, I, I've said in the past, I, I just don't get Fred Yehi. I know a lot of people like him, and that's cool. And I wish him no ill will, but I just, um, this match felt kind of long. It felt like, it just felt like moves. But I, I, one thing that I like in wrestling is I like when there's sort of a clear and obvious narrative that I can pick out. So that's kind of my preference. And in a lot of Fred Yehi's matches, I, I don't, I'm not able to grasp that thread. And maybe it's there and I'm missing it. Like, I'm not really, not the idea that I'm, like, dumb and I'm missing it. But it just doesn't connect with me. And it just feels like it's moves. And then Fred Yehi does the Koji clutch and he wins or he doesn't do it and he loses. This match had a couple of, like, athletic sort of coordination slip-ups, I think. I think Yehi came down with a Yehi that came down on Jaka's head doing the spot by the turnbuckle. Um, so yeah, it I, it, a basic. I mean, it was surprising too because it was just like a leapfrog, and I was like, "Oh no!" I was afraid somebody was hurt. Yeah, so I, I, this didn't click for me. Yeah, I, I, I hate was- I hate being super negative. You never want to be <laughs> like a hater, but that was my uh, my feeling. Well, you gave your reasons. I mean, I think you know, for whatever it's worth, we have to give our our positive and negative thoughts on this show. So. Sometimes they're going to be negative. Uh, I kind of felt the same about this match. There wasn't a compelling narrative to it. Yehi and I have a strange relationship. When he first came into Evolve, I I didn't really care for him. He started to click with me. You know, one match I can really think of is his match with Matt Riddle over WrestleMania weekend, which I loved. I thought it was great. But he's kind of gotten back into this spot with me where like you're saying, the matches just kind of seem to just be there. They don't really have any anything for me to grab onto. I like that he's kind of bizarre, uh, but it's just he's not been uh, grabbing me with any of the stuff that he's doing lately. The next match, uh, Tracy Williams defeated Jason Kincaid with the cross face. This is a match we're going to differ on. I, I have a, a good feeling. Here are the things I liked about it. 
Tracy seems to be devoting himself to being a heel. Just going 100% into that, and I appreciate that. I don't think he's very good at it. But I like the devotion, and it's getting better. Like, if you go back to the Mercury Rising show when he turned on Matt Riddle, I think you liked that, but I, I just thought he was miserable in that match. Like, not his work in the match, but his character work in the match. I was just like, ah. Oh. I was cringing as I sat and watched the match. But he's continuing to do it. He's getting better. I appreciate that. Something I also really liked was that they're continuing to push Tracy. He's continuing to get wins, and that's so important. And I appreciated that here. Uh, It's just the problem with Tracy as a heel is that he has to be on top in his matches. I don't find him interesting when he's working on top in a match. So that's a struggle for me. Kincaid, I also thought wasn't his best outing. He at times has been sloppy, not sloppy, just not smooth. And I I thought he had gotten over that. I thought maybe he was had some jitters as he started to evolve, but I felt like he kind of reverted to that a little bit in this match. I know that you are a big Tracy guy, and I'm pretty sure you like this match a lot. So tell me why I'm wrong. Oh, you're not totally wrong. I, I liked it okay. I didn't I didn't love it, I would say. I, I, I agree with your critique of Kincaid's fluidity. There were a couple moments in the match. I think he went for like it looked like either a springboard flatliner or a springboard forearm. And he sometimes he does he tries for things that like it doesn't seem like he's quite able to do it and it was in in my preference is he just wouldn't try those things, you know, or I don't know. It, it, it doesn't look as good. You're, you're, you're certainly right about that. Uh, if but you're yeah, gonna, if you're going to try things, don't try them on evolve. This is like your big, that's, this is your big spotlight. That's so fair. Try them somewhere else. But, but yeah, you're right about Tracy Williams. He's, he's growing into this, this, this bad guy character and, you know, he's laying in those forearms and he's really, uh, he's doing his stomps and he's, he's, he's getting there. And I thought that, it was bits and pieces in this match. And we'll talk about uh, his match the next night against ACH, where I felt like it really came together in his, in his, and we'll, we'll talk more, but I think that uh, the next night was really sort of, for me, the coming out party of Tracy Williams is this fully developed dickhead character. Um, and, and after this match, as, as much as I was a little bit critical of, of Kincaid's in-ring work, I think that his character work is very fascinating to me. I love this idea. I love the internal tension of him you know, having this violence in his past and him trying to like keep calm after the match, he got up in Tracy Williams's face and was really angry. And then he stopped himself and shook Tracy Williams's hand. And, and we're, I don't know, to me, it's like almost sort of watching someone struggle with their inner demons. Like that is really fascinating. It's almost like he's a character out of, out of the wire or the Sopranos or one of those other sort of prestige television shows. I'm into that. And uh, I don't think I'm as bothered by sort of, uh, the smoothness stuff, but I, I certainly see it and, and saw it in this match. All right, the next match and the last match on this card that we haven't talked about yet, Keith Lee defeated Ethan Page with the ground zero. Uh, we talked earlier about the fact that Ethan Page kind of seems back where he was prior. Aaron, did you think that this match did anything to change that for you? No. No, I mean, cause that, that's for me just more sort of his long-term direction. I thought that this was a good match, though. I think it's 
I think it was a nice, it was a short and sweet match between two guys who know how to work to the crowd and are very clear in like who they are as characters. And they are, the crowd loves Keith Lee. The crowd hates Ethan Page. So, and that helps so much being over and generating a response for the match is like for your, for your character is like enough for me almost in and of itself. In that sense, I enjoyed this. It was quick. It was, it didn't, it didn't overstay its welcome. And uh, yeah, I thought that this was solid. I, I think that like the middle of the card without, with the exception of the, the Yay Hijaka match, like everything was like decent. And then I thought that, the first two matches in the main event were really good. One thing we haven't talked about that you just kind of referred to is the crowd at this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a small crowd. I mean, it. W- I hated kind of for the workers uh, looking out and it looked about half full, which was a real bummer. But this was a very good crowd. The people who were there were into it and they were into everything. And they reacted kind of in traditional ways. The good guys, they cheered, and the bad guys, they booed and mercilessly. And I, I really enjoyed that. I had fun watching the show because of their reactions. It was a real difference between that crowd and the crowd at Laboom, which is like a typical, I don't, there's no phrase that isn't like a dumb, overused phrase, but like your typical modern day indie wrestling crowd. Uh, they liked the cool guys, and they didn't like the guys who aren't cool, you know? Uh, which that that's how I am too. So I get that. Uh, but that was a big difference between the two crowds, which is kind of fascinating and the, the places that evolve runs and, and what kind of crowds they get at different places. But I guess it's good for all these guys to work in front of those different kinds of crowds that have to try to uh, get over in front of everybody. I guess I didn't say much about this match. The one interesting thing I wanted to take, or I did take away from this match was I thought every time that, Ethan Page was able to take advantage in the match was when Keith Lee kind of tried to go to the ropes or do some sort of big move, uh, especially it looked like he was going to do some sort of aerial move. And I want you talked earlier about, well, maybe Keith Lee is starting to think about whether he wants to be that friendly fellow. And I wonder if some of that also plays into the type of offense that he wants to use in matches and whether he's going to be the big guy who flies or whether he's going to be the big guy who kicks your ass. And I think that's something that we'll have to see from Keith Lee going forward. Yeah, that is a, uh, that's an astute observation that I did not notice in the match. And uh, I, I trust you. I believe that it happened. <laughs> and I think that's some great storytelling. Uh, if it, if it, I'm going to go back and, and watch for it now. Well, the thing about it is, like, when I'm watching Evolve, I usually feel like the little story things I pick up on are there, and I'm not just making it up. But those of us who... Yeah watch a lot of wrestling and are really incisive about it. I think there's plenty of times where we pick up on threads and matches that aren't there. They just happen to be things that happen and we try to make them into something. Uh, But that's what I enjoy about pro wrestling is the stories. So if I've got to make up a story, then uh, I've got to make it up and that's fine with me, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened in this match. That was at least the story of this match. Okay. Moving on to, Evolve 87. What were your overall thoughts on this show? This fucking ruled. I mean, I was there at Laboom in Queens, and uh, it just fucking kicked ass. It was a kick-ass show from top to bottom. The main event was great. The Evolve title match with Zack Sabre Jr. and Jocka was just tremendous. Just A-plus pro wrestling storytelling, and uh, 
the atmosphere at Laboom best. I, at least as far as the, the places evolve runs and how it looks like. Because I watched it back on on tape after I went to the show because I love you guys and I wanted to be uh, as uh, on top of things as possible. And I and I took you know took notes and did all my stuff and it, it just looks great. I think it's, I mean. It's one place they run where it just looks like a big league promotion in all ways. You know, the lights are dark or out, you know, it's dark and the spotlight is on the ring. So, you know, the focus is on the wrestlers and they look like they're standing out and you're not just like looking at the yokels and the crowd, you know, the other yokels and the other nerds, you know, with the lights on and it's, and it's always crowded. It's always, um, it's always loud. People are packed in there and and it's like going to a WWE show in the sense that everyone knows everyone on these shows. When guys' music hits, they know who's coming out and they react. And they're into just almost every wrestler on these shows generates some kind of organic, sincere response from the crowd. And, uh, you know, if I'm Gabe Sapolsky, you know, I'm looking back at, you know, what they have built at Laboom, retracing their steps and trying to figure out what about the venue and the matches they promoted and what they've done right. And they got to, you know, and if, and if possible, you know, I'm trying to replicate that in the other markets that they run because it, it really enhances the whole viewing experience, whether you're there or whether you're watching at home, everything is better when they're doing, when they're doing the shows at Laboom. And, and, and to a certain extent, you know, I, I don't know whether that is replicable because one, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but New York rules. So like, the other cities won't be able to measure up, but, uh, but, but not being facetious, uh, you know, the fact is that there's a lot more people and therefore a lot more wrestling fans in New York city than there are in Tampa or Boston or, you know, Baltimore or whatever, like it's the biggest city in the country. And so they can fill the building with smart, hardcore wrestling fans who know everything that's going on. Everything you said is true. But it's not like there are tons of these work rate indies all over New York that are just doing booming business and they have hot crowds. There's something about Evolve in that market, in that building. So it may not be replicable, but I do think it's something that Evolve has done right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's great. It's like, um, it, it's the only thing, like, I, I grew up, on Long Island, like my formative wrestling experiences were going to ring of honor in 2005, 2006. And so, you know, nothing will ever feel like ring of honor at the New York hotel because I'm not 16 anymore. And like things just aren't as important, you know, wrestling can never be as important to me now that I'm an adult with a job and a girlfriend and a life. But, uh, but this is the closest thing is Laboom at evolve or evolve at Laboom rather. I had pretty similar thoughts to you about the show in general. I drove to St. Louis yesterday, drove back today. So I missed the show live. Uh, I was exhausted and this show got me so pumped up. It woke me up from the very beginning, kept my attention. And when it was over, I was fired up to talk about wrestling. So uh, let's now go through all the matches. I'm going to start with, like we do, I'm going to start with uh, the main event. And, of course, Matt Riddle, the WWN champion, defeated Keith Lee in a creative little finish where 
basically we have a, a strike exchange. Keith Lee collapses and Matt Riddle collapses also, but happens to collapse on top of Keith Lee long enough to get the three count. What were your thoughts on this match, uh, especially as it as it compares to the champion versus champion match that we saw the night before? This was a blast. This was just two big, strong, athletic dudes who are beloved by the crowd, throwing everything they had at each other and putting together all kinds of cool sequences, like towards the end of the match when Matt Riddle hit the bro to sleep and Keith Lee just fighting spirited up. And, you know, they, yeah, they, they, they went hard. And I mean, there was a moment where Matt Riddle was going for like a second gut wrench suplex after hitting the first one on, on Keith Lee. And I was like, this is like the loudest I've heard this building. Like, I was like, Oh shit, it's fucking loud in here right now. And yeah, this was just a blast to be at. It's one of those things where like, I, I look at, I think it was certainly better than the champion versus champion match. I think I like the Jaka versus Zack Sabre Jr. match from the show a little bit better, but it's kind of like a preference thing. Like I think, that was like a the Jaka Zack Saber Jr. match was this great story, and then this was just a great match to experience. You know, just it just you know I don't know if I have a whole lot to say about what was going on there, but it felt great. I was actually I enjoyed this match the most of any match on this card, and really just because it was kind of worked to the style that I love, which is two guys just beating the hell out of each other, and it there was a little bit of expectations game going on in that I've complained on this very show that Matt Riddle has been in a rut doing the same kind of matches recently. This was not that the reason that it was different. I believe was we haven't seen Keith Lee work from underneath the way he did in this match. We haven't seen him sell and we haven't recently Matt Riddle has been taking the beat down for most of the match. And then he hulks up and has his big comeback. This was the opposite of that. This was a totally different match for both guys. And so that played in, I think, to why I really loved it. One thing that before we get to the post-match angle that I thought about while I was watching this match, I was thinking about our last episode, and you're talking about uh, the fight for the soul of Evolve, and we have guys who, if you're into Riddle, you really probably aren't into Zach because of the difference between the two characters and the difference between the two men, to be honest. So I'm watching this, and the Laboom crowd is just on fire for Matt Riddle. I mean, they seem to me, and I'm watching from from home, they seem to be absolutely enamored of him. There were one million bro chants throughout. And I'm thinking, isn't it hilarious? Like, I don't know who's in the building. I can just see the people I'm looking at. I mean, I know Aaron Taub's there, but I don't know who else is there. But I'm thinking of your stereotypical wrestling fan. And I'm thinking, it seems bizarre that your average wrestling fan would identify with Matt Riddle. Like, where is this ability to to wrap your arms around this hyper-masculine bro character? I mean, this is like a frat boy to the nth degree. I don't feel like those people are filling up wrestling venues. What is the thing between wrestling fans and Matt Riddle? Well, it's aspirational, I think, right? That's a guy you want to be like, right? That's that's the dude you want to be, right? He's this super handsome, very like he has, you know, he wrestles barefoot. He's got this kind of raw sexuality to him. He's got the hair. He's like a good-looking, friendly dude who 
it really embraces the crowd's love in a way that's like really cool. Like you feel when you're in the crowd live that like he loves you for loving him. You know, it's, it's really, I mean, yeah. And, and in that building, especially, I think for me, the thing that I think about is kind of the, the big passing of the torch moment at Evolve 69, a nice show. Uh, where Johnny Gargano sort of <laughs> said, you know, hey, Matt Riddle, this is your company now. And Matt Riddle said, a ball this bro. And everyone lost their shit. So I, I think, yeah, no, he's like, he smiles a lot. He's a chill dude. Nothing, nothing uh, really rattles him. And I think that those for a lot of people, and even me, like I do like him quite a bit. You know, he, he's not, I don't relate to him the way I do to Zack Sabre Jr. But I, I do think that, there he has many admirable traits and i certainly understand i'm not as i totally get why people love him i guess is what i'm saying i mean i'm a big matt riddle fan i'm not gonna lie obviously we've talked about our love for zach but uh, i love matt riddle i just think it's kind of funny and you're right it's an aspirational thing he's a cool guy he's you know this is like the uh, classic trope of he's the guy that men want to be and women want to be with he's that guy and I, I get it completely. It reminds me of uh, over the WrestleMania weekend, if any of you listened to the flagship preview for WrestleMania weekend, I believe it was Robin Reed who was talking about some of the progress uh, show that was going on. And there was a talk about Matt Riddle, whether he was an outsider or whether he was a progress guy. And Robin talked about, we kind of consider him a progress guy because he came over. Yes, he's from America, but he came over He hung out with the fans after the shows and kind of uh, ingratiated himself into that community to where, and they really accepted him. And I think that's kind of what Riddle does everywhere. He loves hanging out with fans, it seems. He does. It's crazy. Which speaks, which is a nice thing to say about him because, I mean, I know, you know, not really trying to hang out with a ton of other wrestling fans all the time, (laughs) you know. Well, thanks. Thanks. I mean, you're okay. Thanks. Yeah, I think Riddle... I don't know. If you're a nerd like me who loves wrestling, I really get excited when it feels like the wrestler loves wrestling. My favorite athletes have always been people who it feels like they love whatever game they play. And most of my favorite wrestlers, I love the fact that they love wrestling. I mean, the re- one of the main reasons I love Brian Danielson, despite, you know, other than the fact that he's one of the greatest of all time, is that he loves wrestling and you can feel it in everything he does. And Matt Riddle is the same. So for a guy to, you know, when you're a MMA guy and you come over into wrestling, you could go about it a lot of different ways uh, and you could feel like you're above it and you're too cool for wrestling. And Matt Riddle has never put that thought across uh, to me. I've never gotten from him that he thinks he's above wrestling. He seems to love it. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there or in that, the appeal of Matt Riddle is that he's a really cool dude who doesn't, who like makes you feel cool too, you know, in his embrace of the fans. Damn. You nailed that. Yeah. That's exactly right. If Matt Riddle thinks wrestling is cool, then it must be cool for me to watch it. Yeah. And this, uh, one other thing I wanted to know is just um, one moment in this match that I will always remember or is Matt Riddle going for that sent on and Lee Keith Lee catching him and picking him up and just, hitting the biggest, fattest spirit bomb of all time. I mean, Riddle bounced like several, it looked like he bounced several feet off the mat. I mean, this was, yeah, this was awesome. 
it, it was truly great. <sighs> Unfortunately, now we have to move on from the match. We'll talk about the post-match yeah. angle a little bit. Uh, basically, we have two separate things going on here. One of them is Ethan Page comes out. He's talking about how much he hates the two golden geese of Evolve, who are Keith Lee and Matt Riddle, and he's going to take a golden deuce on both of them. He starts stomping away, but but he ends up really pulled away. Is just he's focused on Ethan Page. I'm sorry, he's focused on Keith Lee. Then Tracy Williams comes out the same way he did the first night and starts telling Riddle about how he's coming for him on August 12 uh, for the Progress doubleheader. So we've got Keith Lee and Ethan Page on one side of the ring. We've got uh, Tracy Williams and Matt Riddle on the other side. The best part, I suppose, was when Tracy tells uh, Riddle he's going to have Stokely slap the piss out of him, which has been teased before, of course. But this time Stokely does it. But my favorite part of this segment was he's getting ready to slap Riddle. And Ethan Page, who just is kind of in the corner of the camera, he tells Keith Lee, basically like, hold on, I'm going to stop beating you up. I've got to watch this. <laughs> like, he says it in character, of course, but he clearly just wanted to see it. He thought it'd be funny. So, I don't, I mean, we just had Keith Lee, Ethan Page at Evolve 86, so I don't know if that's any sort of direction going forward, but clearly, Riddle versus Williams is a direction that we're going to see, uh, obviously on August 12th, but more as we go forward with Evolve. Yeah, I, um, I'm into it. I think you, the moment you mentioned with Ethan Page is indicative of something that was true across both of these shows, which is that they hit all the right beats with these dudes. These angles just, you don't usually get as many, you don't, there were a lot more angles on these shows than there usually are on Evolve shows, and all of them fucking killed. This was great. It almost felt like a soft reset of the company in that, okay, we here's what we've been doing. And we're getting the same things out of the top guys in the company, but we're also setting up all this stuff for everybody to do. And now here's our, our direction going forward. Yeah. And for me, it's like we've transitioned, you know, we talked a lot about whether what this company's identity was. And there's a lot of discussion of it. And I think we are now in the era of the big three. Uh, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Zach Sabre Jr. These are the dudes going forward. And and then beneath that, you have kind of this core of catch point and yay, hi. And now you got, yeah, it's just everyone's doing something. It's 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 really great. And uh, I think we, I guess we, we didn't even finish all the stuff that happened in the angle. No. After everything that happened with uh, the four guys we were talking about, they clear out. And then we get, well, I, I didn't mention, I guess, that Stokely also stomped Keith Lee, which I want everybody to hmm, just file that away. Just file that away. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But once Riddle and Lee got up, uh, Ethan Page rolls out. Everybody's gone. Matt Riddle gets down on his knee and asks Keith Lee to fist pump him. And uh, Matt Riddle is you know doing his the most uh, broiest ham worthy performance that he could possibly give as he's trying to get Keith Lee to give him uh, the fist pump. And I thought it was really interesting the way that Keith Lee responded to this. He was reluctant, uh, really didn't seem to know what he wanted to do. He ultimately did give him the fist bump, shook his head as he did it. But this wasn't the Keith Lee that we've been seeing in Evolve. 
he was clearly hurt by losing. You know, he was upset about the fact that he lost the match. You f- it feels like the friendly fellow Keith Lee would have laughed it off, given the fist bump. They would have had a little celebration in the ring about the how much fun they just had, especially because they've been presented as uh, being buddies in a way. Uh, we didn't talk about Keith Lee actually doing the ring announcing at the start of the champion versus champion match on the first night. But, you know, he had a little banter with the guys. But it was clear that it was there was a little more friendliness between Lee and Riddle, I thought, on that. And, of course, they're leading into their match the next night. But we didn't get any of that from from Lee here. He looked much more – I mean, he was in part, he was exhausted from the match. But on the other hand, I think there's some real thought going through Keith Lee's mind about how he wants to present himself and how he wants to behave uh, going forward. Yeah, he looked very reluctant uh, giving that that fist pound. And, and he um... – you know, and Riddle was great running up behind him, just giving him a huge bear hug with a giant smile on his face. But uh, but Lee was really, um, he was shaking his head. He didn't like this loss. This loss hurt him, I think. And, and I think it'll be very interesting to see how this loss hurting him uh, changes his behavior over the next couple months. And if I'm right about what went on on Evolve 86, that he noticed that, Ethan was getting an advantage when he tried to do certain things. And then he ties that in with what happened on, on this match. The only real thing that happened in this match was he tried to do the basket and uh, basket my glory thing once. And Matt Riddle took advantage of that. So that could be telling us that, that Keith Lee is picking up on that and starting to change the way that he's acting in the ring. All right, let's run through the rest of this card. Uh, We're going to start from the beginning we had Tracy Williams defeating ACH again with the crossface, which he won uh, both nights on this show with the or on this weekend with the crossface. I just I go to you first. You're the Tracy Williams guy. What do you think about this one? Yeah, man, hot sauce was on here. I thought that this was a great match. It was a great uh, it was a great opener. I mean, the crowd was just really really into it. Um, I love just some of the little things that Tracy Williams did, like. For the introductions, he went in the pre-match introductions. He went up and like did his, you know, camera facing taunt, like like a foot away from ACH. He was right up in his grill. He really just felt like a nasty dude who was just very full of himself, very cocky, um, and mean, and just has this this shit eating smirk. And uh, yeah, I thought he was. I thought I'm like, okay, this is the dude who he, this is who he's going to be going forward. And it, and it felt uh, totally coherent. And it was just also just like a banger of a match. It was, they did a lot of like, it was high energy and the crowd was really into it. ACH did a tope that like seemed to screw up one of the guardrails for a little bit. They like guys from the back had to come out and check to put it back together again. Yeah. This was, uh, I thought a great performance by, uh, by both guys. Yeah. I'm going to have the, I'm going to have the, uh, opposing take on this particular match. I thought Tracy Williams had a lot of the same problems that he had in the match the night before. If he's going to be this, this dickhead character, I just don't, you talked about him laying in some of his stuff. I just don't see it the same way. I just don't think he's brutal enough in his offense. I don't get that from him. Now, part of the problem in this match, going back to ACH's match in the first night was that 
ACH wasn't selling as well as he did in the match at Evolve 86, and I thought that hurt the match. But why did you feel that way? He had, I just, not to cut you off, but he had the one thing where he, they were um, beating on his neck, and what did he try for? There was a moment in the match where he did a similar uh, selling on offense thing, right? He, he had the neck, he had the, yeah, yeah, Tracy was fucking up his neck, and then he went for the buster call, but he couldn't do it because of the neck. What bothered you about the selling? Apparently, I missed that part of the match, mm. and that's what bothered me. Uh, I don't recall that happening, and I've I literally watched the show a couple hours ago, but I don't mm. recall that. Aaron's Justice judging for ACH. <laughs> vindicated. Yeah, maybe he could have been uh, vindicated. I could be wrong, but I want everybody to keep in mind those criticisms I just made of Tracy Williams. I'm gonna put a little pin in them, and we'll get back to them after this match. Is where I thought this got interesting, where ACH grabs the mic. And let's be honest, ACH is not uh, Dusty Rhodes on the mic generally. But this was really good. He says the referee asked if he was hurt. Of course I'm hurt. I'm in the first match. And the way he said it, like it sounded like he was hurt. I mean, he sounded like he was offended that he was in the first match on the show. And I didn't know, I don't know, if this is – a direction for ACH if in the same way some of those guys we didn't see this weekend if if we're going to lose ACH soon uh, I know that he is going to be on the next cards he's going to be on Evolve 88 and Evolve 89 so I'm assuming that this is somewhere for him to go if it is I'm interested in it like I, I want to see we don't ACH never gets this kind of story nowhere that he's been never in Ring of Honor did he really get that kind of story in fact he never really gets much to do character wise. And so I'm really fascinated to see what he's able to do with this. Yeah. And I absolutely do think it's a direction for him because during the match on commentary, Lenny letter noted that, you know, even before he had, even before he lost the match and had that moment, he, Lenny letter mentioned that, you know, there were rumblings backstage that ACH wasn't happy being in the second match. And I'm sure he's upset about him being in the first match. And so, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because ACH is, like, such a babyface's babyface. You know, he's this super athletic dude with a great smile who runs and flips and does a ton of great shit. And it will be interesting to see whether he breaks down and becomes a little meaner or, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this character faces this adversity. And and, and I like this outburst from him about being hurt. As you said, it felt... It felt like a real, like a real, how a real human being would react to the situation. It was great. It was a very, it felt authentic. And that's not a great way to get babyface sympathy. So right. it will be fascinating how they deal with it, whether it's going to turn into a harder edge for him, or if they're going to find a way to work this so that he can draw sympathy from the fact that he's trying so hard and he just can't bust through, you know, those kind of things. So I'm interested to see where that goes, which is all we were asking for. With ACH and yeah. with a lot of these other everything guys. We, like, everything we were crying about last week, they, uh, <laughs> they gave us what we wanted. All right. And now the time of the show has come where I have to eat probably Get all ready, the crows. The next match featured Timothy Thatcher defeating Jason Kincaid with a Fujiwara armbar. I just want to say, Timothy Thatcher may be 
the best thing in Evolve Wrestling. I, I want to let that sink in. <laughs> I know I got on this show last week and I talked about how his matches weren't going to be any good. I didn't want to see him in the company. I gave him a little nickname that I shan't repeat under this episode. And he came out on this weekend and he, uh, it was like he just wanted to kick me in the face. That's like, that's what I got from these two performances. He wanted to prove just how wrong I was. This was a great match. I loved this match. It was one of my favorite matches of the night uh, for many reasons. Kincaid was great. This was probably the best performance he's had in Evolve. None of the fluidity problems that he's had on other shows and that we talked about on Evolve 86. It makes me wonder if, you know, he himself said he doesn't really view himself as a high flyer. And it makes me wonder if he was kind of pushed into that a little bit as he started in the company. This was mostly a mat-based match and it seemed right up his alley. He was great. Uh, But of course, credit where it's due, most importantly, Timothy Thatcher was out of this world in this match. He is brutal. His strikes are nasty. He, his facial, I mean, he's always had really great facials and really great character work in the ring, but it was on another level here. He was, Timothy Thatcher is a real heel. And I mean, he was spitting, or no, he was, uh, uh, what's the word for the, the snot rocket? He was snot rocketing on Kincaid. <laughs> That's probably the medical term for that. He was just doing awful things, and the Laboon crowd already hates him. And like Aaron talked about in the last episode, this is real heat. It's not go-away heat. The people hate Tim Thatcher in the best possible way, and he has just decided to completely embrace it. I feel like he's kind of reinvented himself since his title reign kind of went uh, to the wayside. It's like he said, okay, I've got to figure out a way to be more compelling and get uh, these crowds to really react to me. Because the heat before felt like people were just tired of him. And this doesn't feel that way anymore. The best part of the match, was to me, Thatcher ends up in Kincaid's compassionate release, and he sells it like death. Like, the escalation in him going from, oh, God, this is locked in on me, to I'm going to have to tap. Like, I, there's no way I can get out of this. You could read all of that on his face. It was beautiful. And that little pin that I planted when we're talking about Tracy Williams is what I want to – this is where I wanted to pick it up. Timothy Thatcher is what Tracy Williams needs to be. He – the character that he's pulling off, the brutality of his offense, this is the character – that should be in the Tracy Williams spot or however you want to work that out. But this is what I want out of Tracy Williams. I don't know. He's great. I'm an asshole. I love you, Tim. I'm sorry. Uh, Please come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing that I can add to that. That would be better than uh, what a mea culpa right here on everything involves. After the match, uh, Kincaid offers a handshake. Uh, Thatcher just walks away. I also wanted to talk about Thatcher's socks. 
Did you notice these coming out of his boots? No, no, I missed them. Oh, they were like they, red and yellow? I think they were like the German flag. You're right, gotcha, right. It's what I took from, which he, you know, he's been in WXW and right. that kind of makes sense. But I think it's funny that, you know, Thatcher was originally kind of a fake British person. Right. And now he's becoming a fake German person, which <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I enjoy. Although he did cut a promo and uh, he used his normal, his normal accent. So uh, I was waiting to see whether he was going to break yeah. out uh, British or German. Uh, anyway, he walked away. Yeah. And no handshake. Yeah. And Stokely Hathaway was left there pointing and laughing at Kincaid. He bit the most memeable man in wrestling does it again. Stokely had a couple really great comedic moments on the show. We'll talk about one a little later, but, uh, but that was certainly one of them. And we see more humiliation for Jason Kincaid as he continues to slide uh, down. Uh, this is, I think his, Ninth or tenth? I think this is tenth consecutive loss, right? Yeah, I believe that's right. He was zero eight, or he was on an eight, uh, yeah, eight match losing streak. Yes, yeah, so this was this, this would be his his tenth straight loss in evolve. So he gets John Davis at evolve eighty nine. So hopefully uh, that's one that he can pick up. But we'll see where that goes. Uh, the next match was Fred Yehi versus Chris Dickinson. Did you like this Yehi match any more than the one on evolve eighty six? Not really. I was fired up to see the Dirty Daddy. And, uh, but it just, it just, I, again, I just like, couldn't really, I couldn't really sink my teeth into it. The Koji clutch for the finish felt like it kind of came out of nowhere almost. And, and you could tell, cause it's, it's interesting because he's very popular. Like, and you know, so that's why I'm, I'm always quick to couch my criticism because other people like him a lot. Um, and so it's perhaps just a personal preference thing, but like, the finish, even though he is popular and people really, you know, they do the you're in big trouble catchphrase with him. Uh, he, you know, there was very little, if you go back and watch it, very little reaction for the finish of the match that he won. So, yeah, I just, it felt the finish was abrupt and the action in between. It was like, I don't know. I, I just didn't know what it was supposed to be. And, and that's, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I felt pretty much the same way. The only thing that was interesting to me was that he beat both of the tag champions and that should play into that, I hope, in the future and into his feud with Catchpoint. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, a couple, couple of big wins for him this weekend and uh, now he's he's got his title shot uh, in the second night, right? That's the second right. night of, yeah, uh, in Georgia. next month in, in, in Marietta. That's so, right. Yeah, so some... So yeah, another dude who we were like, what's Fred Yehi doing? What's going on with him? And now we're starting to see him sort of, he gets these wins over his foreign partners and he's moving in a direction. The most interesting part, I think, of this part of the show was the post-match when we got a little Jaka promo. And Aaron and I had talked after our last show about the fact that we kind of gave Jaka short shrift. And he started... Uh, shoving it in our face with this promo where he, I don't know. We wanted some sort of story for this match. You know what? I'm not going to blame us for this. I'm not going to. Yeah. This wasn't our fault. No, we wanted a story for why Jaka was getting this big title match. It it didn't feel like something that I don't mean that Jaka didn't earn it, but the story didn't feel earned for the characters. We didn't, we didn't have a reason to buy into it. Well, Jaka gets on the mic and he tells this story about the fact that no one believes in him. 
that no one thinks he has any chance in this match. In fact, he asked the crowd if anyone thinks he's going to win, and they booed. And then there was a big no chant. I mean, I literally felt sorry for the guy as I was watching it, like for the man, not for the character. I felt sorry for him. Hometown in New York City. Yes. Uh, And nobody believed he had any chance of winning the match. And he took that. So, of course, they rolled right from that into Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jaka for the Evolve Championship. And he took that right into the match. He came out uh, hair on fire like he was going to prove something to Zack Sabre Jr. I know you love this match, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about it. This was just fantastic. Uh, Jocko was posting on Instagram and Twitter all week, oh, you're sleeping on me. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And he fucking shoved it up all of our asses. Like, this was – this rule, this was a great match. Jocko was awesome. Zack Sabre Jr. was awesome. It was a great story. I mean, the promo was great. He was so fired up as this dude is not getting the respect that he feels he deserves. While the crowd was booing and saying, no, we didn't have a chance by the end, you know, at the, before the match, by the end of it, they were all losing their shit for Jaka. They all wanted him to win. It was a great story of Zack Sabre Jr. just being a better on the ground wrestler, right? He was able to out grapple Jaka and he had him, you know, there was one moment where he almost had him, I think, in, in he almost went for a cross arm breaker. He had him in a triangle for a moment. He had him in some kind of ankle pick. And some then, you know, later he had I'm, I'm a, sorry, what? What did he have him in? An ankle pick, an ankle lock. I don't know, some some kind of leg thing. You guys know what it's like to watch to try to name him. Whatever, man. I gotta I guess I gotta start watching jujitsu to be better at this. But um, you know, Zach Saber Jr. almost had him in the hurrah, you know, and every single time Zach almost had him, Jaka powered out, or he got the ropes and you know, and he just fucking brought the intensity with his strikes and slams. And he was just fucking like, it was just really real. They were just slapping the shit out of each other in the face. And it was just, and every time Jaka just powered through to the ropes and the crowd got more and more behind him as this match went on. Um, and, and Zack Sabre Jr.'s facial expressions were great. There was a moment late in the match where Zack Sabre Jr. hit a pay, PK and he only got a two count. And he made this great sort of like, what really kind of face. And, and it was, it was different because we see that exaggerated sort of the face that wrestlers make when a guy kicks out at two is a very, uh, it's a common trope in wrestling and it's usually very exaggerated. And, and this time it was more of sort of just a, a genuine disbelief um, on, on Zack Sabre Jr.'s face. And there was a moment shortly after that where Jaka, you know, you know, he's slapping himself in the face to get himself fired up. And Zack Sabre Jr. had him in the figure four, and they're in the figure four, and they're slapping each other in the face again. And uh, I thought that the finish to this match was just incredible. So they 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 both sit up from the figure four. They're exchanging strikes. They're ducking kicks. And Jaka hits one of his big spinning wheel kicks. And the crowd goes nuts. Chris Dickinson was great here. He's fucking sprinting along the aisles outside the ring, just, you know, telling everybody to get on their feet and start losing their shit. He was great. Jaka gets this look on his face. Like he's, he sees the moment in front of him. He's about to seize this big opportunity and he's he's delivering and he's finally going to get it. And the moment, the very moment that the crowd started to think, Oh, Jaka's is really going to do this was the moment he goes for his two handed choke slam and Zack Sabre jr. 
counters it into his last resort, the last-ditch effort, that backbridge pinfall combination that we saw him beat Leo Rush with in their first match. I mean, this was just excellent. And and the look on Jaka's face when he lost was like, it was like his, his best friend had just died or his dog was shot, right? I mean, it was just this, just this, it looked like he was going to cry. It was beautiful, beautiful. So I was just, I was blowing kisses towards the ring in my seat at the show. And I was just, I just turned to my friend and I was like, this was a brilliant performance by both men. And I don't know whether this carries over to the other places that Evolve runs, but in Laboom, you know, on, you know, right at the corner of Northern Boulevard, you know, in Woodside, Jaka is a fucking made man. They can come back and do whatever they want with him. And six or 12 or 18 months down the road, he's going to get another title shot in that building. And people are going to be fired up for it. So, yeah, I mean, this fucking rolled. I got to give all the credit in the world to Jaka. I have been tooting a horn that Jaka and Chris Dickinson is a top five tag team of the year contender, uh, maybe higher than that. Uh, But I didn't see Jaka as a single star. But he was given the opportunity here in this match, and he 100% took advantage of it. And I can't say any of it better than you did about uh, the way that he shined on this stage. So very happy for Jaka. Sorry, Jaka, that we uh, gave you short shrift on the last episode. But so <laughs> after the match, uh, our our great friend, Big Stoke, comes out. Now, I thought this was weird. He says Thatcher deserves a rematch for the Evolve Championship. Isn't that match already booked? Yeah, yeah, it, it seemed like it was already booked, but I don't mind it so much. I I think it was at least, it was telling the story for the live crowd that's maybe not reading every WWN alert, but it seemed yeah. like it was on, it was announced as a, as it was going to be a title match, but. I mean, at Evolve 86, totally yeah. said either Jocker or Thatcher is going to take the yeah, title. Yeah, 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 so. I thought this was weird. Anyway, yeah. not a big deal. Uh, Darby Allen comes out, Thatcher's out. Obviously, Darby's continuing this thing where he wants to uh, have a match with Zach. Uh, this is where Thatcher cuts his promo in his American accent, where he says that it's a disgrace that Darby Allen calls himself a wrestler when he's around men like Timothy Thatcher and Zack Sabre Jr., which uh, also made me feel bad for Darby Allen as I was listening to it. I was like, yikes, that might hit a little too close to home. Uh, I did think it was interesting. Finally, he kind of moves on from Darby and goes out to talk to Zach about uh, their title match. And for whatever reason, he asked that the match be no holds barred. I know that they had more of a rivalry before. I just don't think it's built up at this point in time to the extent that I need a no holds barred match. Uh, We can talk about that, I guess, when the match is coming. But maybe that plays into this really heelish Tim Thatcher character. And he's going to be nasty. And now I'm talking myself into it as I continue to talk about this. Now I love it and I can't wait for it. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then brilliantly, uh, that's your headbutt to Zach, who has to be led off by by some of the crew. And then Thatcher goes nuts on Darby. Uh, Look, Darby Allen's arm is, is legitimately injured. And I don't think there's enough time for it to have healed by now. And uh, Thatcher demolished it. 
And this had me really feeling legit sympathy for Darby Allen, but also thinking Darby Allen is kind of a dummy because, I mean, I get it. This guy is an upstart, basically, in professional wrestling as far as on this level. And he finally had grabbed a foothold and then an injury knocks him out. I guess it's more of an indictment of, uh, of capitalism than it is of Darby Allen. But uh, I feel bad for him having to come back when he's clearly still <laughs> injured to work. Good on yeah. Dave Sapolsky for continuing. You know, he booked him to come and do commentary that one uh, one event. He books him to come out and do these little appearances. Uh, thanks for your solidarity, Gabe. We, we, he, we here at Everything Evolves appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next match was Ethan Page versus Thomas Sharp from the night before. My only real thought about this is I tweeted that I wanted Thomas Sharp to keep wearing the maroon pants. He liked the tweet. And then he came out in gray slacks, and I'm pissed. What did you think about the match? Really a smart move by Thomas Sharp to uh, gain heel heat with an influencer such as yourself. <laughs> um, but, no, he looked good. I mean, he hit that Hurricane Rana early in the match, and he looked – I mean, this was a pretty short deal, and Ethan Page won it pretty handily. But I thought Thomas Sharp – well, one thing, too, I was with a friend who's not as, like – he comes to wrestling and enjoys it, but he's not, like – a huge dork the way we are. And he, the first thing he said, he was like, Oh dude, that hurricane Rana ruled that dude's jacked. He looks great. So I think that, yeah, like this is a buff dude doing a cool hurricane Rana. Like, yeah, I think they can do stuff with him. So I, I don't think there's much more to say about it than that, but I think that is worth noting. Yeah. I'm into Thomas sharp and I think they could, uh, I haven't seen him work as a singles wrestler, but uh, if he's got the goods, He's got everything else going for him, so be happy to see what happens with him. The last match we haven't talked about was Trip Beretta versus Austin Theory. Trip Beretta wins uh, with the Dude Buster. This was excellent. Did you enjoy this match? Yeah, this was fun. This was a really fun match to be at live. It was kind of a match that was sort of slow growing in the, uh, at the at the beginning, and then they just sort of put their foot on the gas pedal and just like went to the fireworks factory. And I, I there was so many just like they did a release suplex on the apron. Uh, Austin Theory's rock bomb looked great. I mean, they just were just like Trent Beretta gave Theory a pile driver on the floor. I mean, these dudes were just like dumping each other on their heads and just beating the shit out of each other. And it, it was a ton of fun live. And yeah, it was, it's one of those matches that, you know, I, I know that you really, really, really loved it too, but I, I had thought that it would have been something that was better live than on tape. Um, but yeah, it was just a blast. No, I went nuts for it. Um, I, th- I think it, I think you're right that it was slow going at the beginning. I think that's because, Austin Theory, it was a control segment for him. I don't think he's really great at that yet. And once Trent took over the match and started guiding it, it got so good. I mean, I know everybody's talking about how good Trent is this year, but the guy's really good. I mean, he's having an insane year. He's not going to have any match of the year candidates, but every match he's in is excellent. Uh, And usually it's due to him. And I thought he was just such a pro here, made Austin Theory look great. And continuing the theme of things that uh, I've been wrong about, uh, this match showed that Austin Theory can absolutely be a great singles wrestler. I thought 
he did everything pretty well, but I didn't see anything special about him going forward. I hadn't seen a match where he did that. Well, this was a match. He looked special here. He looked like, I mean, he, he's 19. I mean, this looked like a guy who, when he gets some more seasoning, uh, can be, he could be a champion in this, in this company for sure. Uh, that's way down the road, but he could be. For sure. Yeah, no, I thought he looked really, really good. Everything was smooth. I thought the post-match yeah. was, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I thought the post-match was cool. And we, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, he's definitely had two really good weekends in a row now. So it looks like yes. he's definitely on the right track. He's not a, I mean, he's lower on the card than some guys, but he's not a preliminary wrestler anymore, I don't think, in this company. He's been he's been pushed up the card, which I appreciate. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to say about this match before we get into the post match was someone from the crowd yelled out, "Prove your theory, Austin," and it made me consider for a second that uh, perhaps another thing I was wrong about was I thought that the tights that he used to wear that said "unproven" I thought they were really stupid because it was like. Yes, we know you're you're 19 and you haven't proven yourself. But was it a really clever joke about his name? And I didn't realize well, he said that in the W in the in the mini doc that they made. He's like, oh, you know, theory is unproven. Um, and so I didn't get the joke at first, but now that I get the joke, I still think it's stupid. <laughs> I don't think it's particularly clever. And now you just have like a bunch of idiots in the crowd. Like, Ugh. I mean, I don't know. Don't give wrestling fans an opportunity to think that they're clever is my number oh, one uh no of wrestlers for what i go to live shows um not that right, i'm so- like not guilty of being obnoxious myself but i still think it's kind of a silly thing to put on your tights yeah his new tights are no better but this is not a podcast about professional wrestling attire post-match priscilla kelly shows up she starts uh, rubbing on Trent's chest, which I can appreciate. Trent's a good-looking guy. Uh, he's he's in good shape. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Austin Theory's uh, not going to be very happy about this. And Aaron, he was not. Or it was a honey trap. And Theory comes up behind Beretta. Low blows him. What, what did you think when you saw the low blow? I was like, oh yeah, it's, I was like, I was like, it's all happening was kind of my response. I was like, okay, we watched this storyline move forward at a glacial pace for months and months. <laughs> and now uh, David Bixon's band was kind of right, right? Where he said that he insinuated that Priscilla Kelly was going to deflower Austin Theory and lead him astray. And she faved the tweet and, uh, and it all, it all came to pass. I was like, here it is. I was just happy. I was like, all right, cool. This is where it's going. Like, I can rock with this. Yeah. So, so was it, this a long con uh, that Austin Theory was part of? Or when she led him off and he went with her after Evolve 86? I mean, between then and now, did, did she did she turn him around? Oh, yeah. I, or I think that that's what, how I perceive this story, is that you have this young, naive, and this um, ill-intentioned woman who is leading him astray, or at least that that's, that's how I read it. Okay. The last thing I want to say about this angle was I just love that they turned theory. I commented early on on this show that he screamed to me, someone who would be good as a, as a cocky heel. And 
I've heard that he works places in Georgia where he works that kind of character and that he's really good at it. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in that role. And this company needs more heels. So uh, the fact that we see Tracy Williams, we see Tim Thatcher, now Austin Theory, I think that's good. We get some more uh, differentiation between everybody on the shows. Okay, that's pretty much everything about uh, Evolve 86 and Evolve 87. We will, of course, be taking a long break until the next shows come up. Uh, The next shows that we have are Evolve 88, which is July 8th in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's going to be headlined by Zack Sabre Jr. versus Timothy Thatcher. Also going to have Chris Dickinson and Jaka versus Anthony Henry and James Drake. Trip Beretta versus Fred Yehi and ACH versus Austin Theory. Those are the only matches that have been announced so far. And then Evolve 89, which is July 9th in Marietta, Georgia, will have, if Zack Sabre Jr. is still the champion, he'll go up against Fred Yehi for the title. Well, he'll go up against him either way, but he'll defend the title if he's still the champion. Keith Lee versus Tracy Williams, ACH versus Ethan Page, and Jason Kincaid versus John Davis. Those are the matches that have been announced uh, thus far. Of course, there'll be several more matches announced before we come up on July. So we'll be back in advance of those to preview those cards. Anything that jumps off the page at you, Aaron, that that you want to mention? Well, I think one thing that's fascinating is the ACH Austin theory match, right? We have, we've seen sort of ACH getting a little frustrated. We see Austin theory who's now has new direction. Is this, is this Austin theory's first big scalp? Hmm. Maybe. I I don't want to make any predictions because we were, we've done enough being wrong <laughs> on this podcast for a week or two. Well, it'll be interesting but to see yes, where that match is positioned. Yeah, and that's fascinating. And then Keith Lee versus Tracy Williams is the match on the other show that, that is a similar thing where you have Tracy Williams has won like five matches in a row. He's on a hot streak. Keith Lee's coming off this loss to Matt Riddle, and we're starting to see him perhaps giving clue and he may be rethinking you know, the way he approaches things in the ring. So I think that's a fascinating match. So I think those are the two things that kind of jump off the page to me. Yeah, and the, uh, another big thing to note here, of course, is that Matt Riddle is not going to be on these shows. He's going to be in England for one of these nights. Uh, I believe he faces Tomohiro Ishii, which would should be fantastic. But uh, he won't be on these shows, and this will start where we're only going to see one of the titles defended uh, each month. So the next month after that, Zach is off the shows for G1. So... Uh, I believe that's all we have for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about Evolve 88 and Evolve 89. Remember to follow us on Twitter at EvolvePod. You can also follow us individually, Aaron Taub at A-P-T-A-U-B-E, or me at Aaron Like the Car. Those are all the ways to contact us. Please get in touch with us if you want to talk about the show or have anything that you want us to talk about on the show. And please make sure to check out all the other great podcasts on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network at VoicesOfWrestling.com and on the podcasting app of your choice. I believe that's it. For Aaron Taub, I'm Aaron Bentley. We are Everything Evolves. See you next time. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. In these hard economic times, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you do own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher and all repairs. 
repairs for your engine transmission and much more can become a thing of the past. Dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. That's right, total protection for your car and no more repair bills. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if your car qualifies. That's star star 1149. Never pay for car repairs again. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now. Dial star star 1149. 